Welcome to the Benebrith International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariashin. Thank you for tuning in today. A little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Be sure to visit our website, benebrith.org, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. The easiest way to get the latest episode is to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play on your smartphone. I'm joined today by Janelle Doughton, the Associate Director of B'nai International's Center for Senior Services. With a network of 38 apartment buildings located in 28 cities across the United States, B'nai Affordable Housing for Seniors is a key part of our organization's mission. Today, Janelle and I will be talking about various challenges of maintaining a sense of community among the residents and solutions for the B'nai buildings. Specifically, we'll be discussing the challenges created by having a diverse resident population, how to create a sense of respect and tolerance for all residents in these residential communities, as well as addressing the issue of bullying. We'll also be talking about the role of residents associations in addressing these and other challenges for seniors in our buildings. Janelle, welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, that's a, a tall order today, so let's uh, we'll start at the top. What a what are the primary challenges in addressing these issues in a senior housing community? Well, I think the first thing to think about is that when residents move into our buildings, there's a sense that once they move into subsidized housing, they no longer are rent burdened, so they'd be happy to be there. But in reality, a lot of them are moving in from a loss, whether it was a loss of a job, their health, their mobility, um, a spouse, or it could be that they're moving into this housing because their spouse lost their mobility or their health. So they're really moving in at a loss. So we're not talking about someone moving in happy. Um, so, and it's an unfamiliar environment. It may not always be the case that they feel that they fit in. So that's where programming to support the transition and community support from other residents can really help with that transition. It's an ongoing process. And just to let you know, the mission of the Center for Senior Services is to provide seniors with quality, affordable housing and a secure, supportive community environment without regard to religion, race, or national origin in order to maximize their independent and dignified lifestyle. We have a really a long track record here. I mean, the housing program goes back how many years? It goes back over 40 years. Our first building opened in 1971 in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. So we've really been tracking these issues for two generations. Yes, yes. And what are the, the demographics in the buildings that add to this challenge? And I'm particularly interested in, in the average age. What would you say is the, the average age of a resident who moves in? Well, in our buildings, you can move in at 62. Um, so it really depends. Some of the newer buildings probably are going to have that younger population. They may also be working. Um, a lot of our buildings, because of our commitment to maximizing the independent lifestyle and putting those uh, support services in, in place, our buildings are aging in place, the residents. So you can have buildings where the average age is 80 years old. And so it's also them kind of learning how to accept newcomers who may be a little different from, from what they're used to. 
Um, the demographics of our buildings tend to be local, localized. So our building population in Hot Springs, Arkansas is very different from our building population in say um, Brighton, Massachusetts. It's just reflective of the general community. Now, how do you welcome the newcomers and foster a sense of community with such a diverse group of residents and people moving in and moving out? It's not like having an next door neighbor in a even in an apartment building whom you you may run into in the elevator but may not. You're there and you're there with the other residents. How do you help the newcomers acclimate themselves to this environment? Well, I think the first thing is having an active residence association. And that's something B'nai B'rith is really committed to. So um, with the residence associations, it is the residents, the stakeholders in the building. Um, generally, they're there for social activities, but they can be part of solutions for the community. So a great thing for newcomers coming into a building, they may have never even lived in an apartment building, um, is to have a couple of volunteers put that in place to welcome them, get them to come to activities, and kind of have a friendly face. So I think that's really important. And with the residence associations, sometimes they go by tenants association, um, whatever they want to call it, but it's really the same thing. And B'nai B'rith, as I said, is committed to these residence association. Uh, one of the great programs that we have, every other summer, B'nai B'rith takes a couple of the um, resident leaders to a week-long retreat at the youth camp, Pearlman Camp, in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. And myself and my colleagues, we run workshops. It's leadership training. It's how to motivate people, how to create programming that's reflective of what's in your building. Um, out of this, because we've been doing this for 30 years, I've been doing it for 20 years, um, we've created a whole day of diversity training. So really what we're hoping is that they will take these things that we do, these exercises, um, on diversity and trying to bring people together that are very diverse because you're talking about religion, you're talking about language barriers, um, all of that so that they can go back to their buildings and use some of these um, activities that we've put together to really bring everybody together. And I think it's really important to understand that just because somebody speaks, you know, a different language doesn't mean that they can't learn English, but to do it in a, a community environment, a supportive environment amongst all the residents. Um, some of our buildings, actually their ESL classes are taught by residents. But to take it a step further and not just have ESL, but have um, activities where you learn another language. It may just be a few words in a conversation that um, you know some of the Russian speakers can teach or the Spanish or the Mandarin Chinese can teach a few words so that everybody can have short conversations and be welcoming to each other. And I think that helps when new people move in that possibly English is not their first language. So it's for residents by residents in a way. There are, there, are there staffers who assist in this or this is really resident driven uh, in, its, in its entirety? This is resident driven. Um, just like any nonprofit board, they, they have uh, um, officers, they have elections, there's a whole process. HUD, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, is extremely supportive of this and has put out a lot of publications we use in our workshops um, of how to run these. 
But yes, this is resident-driven. However, there is a component of working with management, working with the volunteer boards of directors. Um, a good residence association and a good management of a building work together to solve community problems. So if there are issues that management may notice or the residents may notice and bring it to management, like we need to partner together in figuring out how to bring these diverse groups together. And one of the things I really love is uh, the community, the potlucks. We do, they do cultural potlucks. Um, one of my favorite other activities is uh, doing a cruise around the world. Well, we can't afford to take all the residents on a cruise around the world. However, we can bring that cruise around the world to the building where you have residents from all over, whether it's all over the US. Obviously, we know in the US it's very different in different locations. Um, Louisiana is very different from Alabama even. so. But we have these residents that maybe are from different countries that they can come talk about their countries. It gets them involved too. Um, and everybody brings food from where they're from and shares it. So there's lots of ways to try to bring people together. I'd like to be there for that. Uh, I want to go back to the newcomers and, and, and to the other residents. How important is family support for residents in, in our buildings? It is very important. Um, and that's a great thing that when re some residents move in, they have very involved family. It may be their family helped them even move in. And especially if English is not their first language, they may serve as the interpreter when they're going through the whole application process and being involved with management even and the service coordinator. However, a lot of our residents do not have that family support. And that's why it's so important that you have the community support each other. And one of the things I really like in some of our buildings is they have a variation of um, an I'm okay program. And this is resident driven, usually supported by the resident association, but also by management. So at night you may have uh, one building, they hang an apple. It's, it's a wooden apple on their door to say, well, I guess they're not supposed to put it at night. They're supposed to put it in the next morning. They hang it and a resident volunteer comes around on their floor to make sure that those are hanging and they know this person is okay. They got up in the morning. Mm -hmm. So um, if the apple is not there, they let management know and management takes care of it, um, going to make sure the person is okay. So again, a way to support each other. You may have family members that call you, but you may not. Oh, what a great act of uh, mutual reinforcement. Uh, I want to talk about something that we don't often think of. When we hear the word bullying, uh, most of us uh, immediately, I think, refer to, to the playground where uh, we uh, played uh, in, in school as, as youngsters. But bullying, we've learned over the last number of years, uh, can be anywhere and everywhere. And it's not uh, specific only to uh, fifth and sixth graders. Um, the, the issue of senior adult bullying. Um, explain what, what that's about and, and how you counter it. Okay, well first of all, I'd like to say, you know, this may all seem like grade school, high school, but people don't really change. So if you were a bully or you were bullied when you were a kid, 
it's the same as an adult. So uh, you hear about office bullies. Well, we have senior bullying. And a lot of times what it is, there's one person. Now, unfortunately, at bigger buildings, you may actually have more than one bully, um, but they have the same characteristics. They're rather narcissistic. And unfortunately, they a lot of times can get a following. It may not be very large. Um, we call these secondary bullies. Many times they follow along with this person because they're afraid they're gonna be the next victim. So uh, bullies, these bullies tend to pick on somebody who they actually want to be like. Um, it may be someone successful. A lot of times, unfortunately, it ends up being officers in our residence associations. But they also are the type of person that are, the person being bullied are not going to fight back. They kind of step back from it. So the bullying can really escalate and the secondary bullies, we really want to reach them because you know you may be able to reach that narcissistic bully but it may be you're really not going to be able to do a much about them to change their behavior and the secondary bullies and what we call bystanders bystanders are people that don't intervene they don't actively bully but they don't do anything so these are in social situations it may simply be somebody coming down to bingo and everybody decides well you can't sit next to me and they're socially isolated. Uh, it happens a couple times and they go back to their apartment and say, well, I'm not going to bingo again. So what we're trying to do is create programming to make people aware and also make sure management understands that this is a serious issue because adult bullying, the person being bullied, can lead to depression, social isolation, as I mentioned. You can have suicidal thoughts. I mean, adult bullying just as we've seen with kids is very, very difficult to deal with as be the person being bullied. And do you find that the, um, the, the residents who are kind of the leaders in our facilities um, take this seriously and, and are, are eager or willing, eager and willing, to learn about how to, how to counter it? Yes, and I think that's part of it, is making sure you have programming in place so people recognize some of those secondary bullies, some of the programming I'll tell you about that we have put together, that we've done in our buildings. Once they recognize the behavior, they're appalled at themselves. Or the bystanders realize that, wait, I should have said something. You know, why am I not gonna stand up to this person? So some of the things that we've done, and one I love, that we've taken to some of our buildings is um, the Cleveland Clinic actually put together an empathy video. And it's meant for their medical staff, but it's about seven minutes and it has, um, it's obviously in a hospital setting, but it has people with just one or two sentences of what's going on at that moment in their life. And most of it has to do with a diagnosis. Um, they have a two escalators, one up, one down, and something going past uh, the the caption is, you know, this person, he just realized his brain tumor is benign, but the person going down, brain tumor is cancerous. So people are feeling all these emotions. And it says at the end, if you could see what they see, hear what they hear, feel what they feel, would you treat them differently? So we show that in our buildings and it makes people realize, wow, words, actions have 
consequences and this person could just have been diagnosed with cancer maybe their spouse just died and I say something off the cuff kind of nasty or fun and get a laugh but I did it at their expense so we're really trying to reach everybody and get a sense of empathy that especially in senior housing people are dealing with these issues more than say uh, someone in their 30s so a real sense of empathy. Another thing we have is a Be Kind program. And that is where you go 24 hours, it's a challenge, 24 hours without saying or thinking a bad thing about another person. And everybody has that moment where they realize, wow, I, I never realized how flippant I can be sometimes. They're sarcastic. And so then you come, they come back and, and talk about it. And last, another thing we do that's really effective is scenarios, case studies. You know, you give them a, a, a case study or a scenario of um, the bingo example. You know, not letting somebody sit at this table even though there's empty chairs. Um, and it's a real life situation that has happened. I take these um, scenarios from, I get feedback at the residence association at our manager service coordinators training just general situations that these things happen and um, it's very interesting to see most people think and 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 their comments afterwards is yeah I've seen that happen wow I never thought it was that bad imagine being that person that couldn't sit down how would you feel well Janelle, really, you know, it's we're so proud of the work that, that you do and that Benebrit does in this regard, and uh, it's, it's clear this is much more than providing affordable housing and a place to live. It's, it's much more than buildings. It's really, um, it's lives, and it's how you can affect the lives of the residents so that they are living out their lives in, uh, in really in dignity, and um, in, a, in a warm and a welcoming environment. And the fact that you are aware of all of these, these issues and these problems, particularly the bullying issue now, uh, but among many others, uh, really is, is something that speaks uh, volumes uh, to uh, the work that you do and that B'nai B'rith does in terms of, of senior housing. I was just thinking as we were talking, one of the first uh, real introductions that I had to, to senior issues was in high school. Uh, we had to read uh, a book called The Other America by Michael Harrington. It was a, a very important book at, at the time, still an important book, but uh, dealing with poverty in America. Um, and uh, there was a chapter there on poverty among seniors, uh, living alone. Uh, at that time, um, uh, Medicare and Social Security issues were not uh, as uh, in the forefront as, as they are today. Um, and that's just one slice of the lives of seniors in America. So really, we're, we're deeply indebted to, to you for the work that you and your colleagues do. And I hope that um, you'll come back and we'll have a chance to uh, talk more about Benebra's uh, senior services and senior housing program. Thanks for, for being with us today. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast. Please visit our website, benebra.org like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on your smartphone through the podcast app for iPhone or through Google Play for Android. And lastly, tell a friend about us. 
For my guest, Janelle Doughton, I'm Dan Mary Ashen. We'll talk to you next time on the B'nai B'rith International Podcast.